Welcome to a brand new episode of the Tire Kicker Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Nate. And I'm Julian. Join us as we talk about what we consider to be some of the raddest and most iconic vehicles of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And don't forget to get the full throttle experience by checking us out at Tire Kicker Media on Facebook and Instagram. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Rubber Lounge. All right, fellas, we are here. We're back. It's been a little bit. Oh, man. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, it's been a, quite a while since we recorded last, but yeah. it's been even longer since we had an episode out. So yeah. we're working on that. We are. Possibly only minutes since you've heard us before. If That's you're right. just coming from the last yeah, episode. If you're, if you're binging... <laughs> It's like, what are, they, what are they talking about? They just rolled right on to the next one. It's been like two seconds. Those liars. I'm used to Netflix where I, there's no cliffhangers for me. That's I just I just roll on to the next episode. So what has been new in your guys' world as of late? Because I got something I want to talk about, but I want to catch up really quick and get everybody else up to speed. I don't know, Julian, if you wanted to, I mean, yeah. you told us a little bit about what happened today, but it's part of a larger, broader Oh, man, it really venture. is. You know, buying cars is always an adventure, and I think I've done a lot of private party in the past, and so going to a dealership is always a different experience, especially right now. I think that demand is really high yeah. for cars, and they kind of just, you know, if you don't want to buy that car, there's somebody waiting to buy that car in a sense. So, you know, we've bought a couple of nicer, more enthusiast-oriented cars recently. My wife bought a GTI, and that was okay. You know, I mean, but they weren't going to flex much. And then I went and looked at the car today, and that was kind of a disappointment. You know, I got there, they raised the price, the car wasn't as good as it could have been. You know, I just got bad feels and I walked. But some other things that I've heard about that are kind of intriguing is that Honda and Toyota are having supply chain issues. And so at this point, they might not even be making a lot of those this year. And so the squeeze is on, you know. I mean, if you've got a car right now that's good, just keep it because... Who knows when the next good ones are coming and the dealers and, you know, the manufacturers really kind of have the upper hand. There's just not that huge supply of cars nobody wants like they have had in previous years. So speaking of supply chain issues, I saw something yesterday online that said, I think it's computer chip shortages. And so the like Chevy's not going to be making a Camaro at least the Camaro and maybe a, a, one or two other models really? because they can't they can't source these parts. Wow, that's crazy. No, no, that's crazy. Samsung, I think, was saying they're on a chip shortage. Pause production of Camaro as well as the Cadillac CT4 and 5 due to limited computer chip supplies. They better not be taking any of our computer chips from the computers that we use at work. You mean the ones we can't get 15-inch monitors for? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No kidding. You guys understand the story behind that, though, right? How the 15 inch screens are bad. Did you guys? Did I tell you guys that? What they were I saying? I have not heard that. 
I'm a little bit outside of that stuff now. So basically, so I, I forget the name of the country or whatever that makes them or whatever. I have it in my head. It's Vietnam, but that's probably not right. But there's a an Asian company that creates these screens out of nothing. And they had like a fire, I guess. And it like took down a whole bunch of their equipment. And then it also took down like their warehouse full of all these 15 inch screens that they were using for HP, Dell, everything. Oh, geez. And so the entire computer industry took an enormous hit because <laughs> it was like 88% or something like that of all the screens were lost. So not only did they lose inventory, they also lost their plant to make them. And so they had to like hurry up and make up a makeshift plant and start getting things cranked out. And it's just, it's insane right now. So holy moly, 17 inches for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. No practicality here. You go big or you get nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I know Jeff's really got something he wants to talk about. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've got anything, you know, car wise lately. It's nice. You've been driving around the, the RX. Uh, yeah, I have. I've been driving the RX-8. I drove it the last couple of weeks, had some fun with it. I put it away this week just because, uh, you know, the rain's been rainy and who knows at this time of year. In Nebraska, but, um, it always fluctuates all over the place. You never know. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, nothing too crazy for me. So, Jeff, what do you got? Well, so I <laughs> – and uh, maybe I'm just late to the game on this or whatever because it just – shows how busy I am with with having the large amount of kids I have in my family but I haven't personally witnessed the 2022 Cadillac Escalade yet and I saw one with my own eyes at the Target parking lot this weekend and I was walking out and I saw this thing and I literally stopped walking just stopped and stared at this thing I was like what the hell did they do <laughs> this thing Parts of it are, are pretty cool, but for the majority of it, it looks like they like took two SUVs and stacked them on top of each other or something. Like the whole front of it is stretched up. I don't know. To me, like I just sat there and I looked at my wife and goes, this is like the Cadillac Kid and Play edition. What is going <laughs> on with this? Like I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, I've seen, maybe not this, but I've seen like the newer like styling with those, like the really long lines, like on the grill and just, I kind of like it. I haven't seen one in person either, I guess. It's a beast for sure. It is. And I don't mind it being big. I'm fine with that. I think the front end throws me way off. It just looks, it's like the headlights are super tiny and there's just so much real estate on the front of that, you know, front end. It just... I don't know. It makes it look I think really it looks like a tall. bear, like, like a, a polar bear face, like a, polar like bear. a really squinty polar bear. It kind of does. Yeah. Don't you? It's kind of cuddly, Jeff. But notice it has like the kind of the Camaro headlight look again, though. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, what are they trying to do? <laughs> and this is a car with a lot of sheet metal. I think a lot of the Cadillacs do look really good. They have that long line with the lights, but maybe it doesn't. Like those are smaller vehicles, right? Right. And so once you scale it up to this enormous yeah. facade. They're just like, let's use the same aesthetic all across and just stretch like you said, just stretch it out and make it bigger. Honestly, it's so it's so skinny and tall. Mm. It just mm -hmm. just sitting there in the parking lot, it looked like it was gonna tip over. I don't know. I mean, to each their own, I'm sure there's people that love it and that's totally cool. Totally cool. 
But to me, I just, I was like, what are they doing? This thing looks so massively long and tall. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say it's ugly, but I just sat there and I was like, call me an old man. But <laughs> I just don't, I <laughs> don't man. dig it. I don't dig it. I just don't know, man. This is this new grill era that everybody's going with. Yeah, we've kind of talked about that before, you know, like the Hyundais for sure have gone big grill, you know, capital B, capital G, big grill. They have. I saw a video the other day of Chip Foose and he, you know, because the BMW is just getting trashed right now for their Mm -hmm. grill design. Oh, another big grill. Right. And so he did a new rendering of what he thought the 2022 BMWs should look like. And it actually came out really, really nice. So props to Chip Foose. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I also learned something else kind of interesting today, too. So we are in the market for a new van. And I found out that in 2020, Ford decided not to build any new Ford Transits. So there's like a market halt and a market increase on the value of all these used ones. And I'm like, come on. It's like, of course, the year that we're like, okay, now we're ready to buy a new van. It's like, no, we're going to double the cost of these things because why not? And then my wife's is like, well, why, how would there be any demand? Like, why would they, why would they stop this? You know, cause she's in the mindset of everybody's like a weird, you know, religious homeschooling family like us. But I was like, you know, you got to remember there's a lot of people like airports and other shuttle services and stuff that buy these in fleets. And they had to stop all that due to COVID because of, they couldn't socially distance strangers properly in those things. So they just lost it. So that's why they halted. It's not like they're not going to make them anymore. No, they it's will. They couldn't, they will. They couldn't just, make them yeah. this, during this time. Correct. They just okay. they were making them and producing them. And it just came to a point where they just weren't able to sell them. Couldn't so they it. just stopped, you know, everything. Yeah. So, <sighs> of course, first world problems, I guess. For me, <laughs> how old is your? Do you have a Ford? Yeah, you have a GMC van. No, no, no. You? We have a Ford. We have a Ford oh, okay. E three fifty. It's a two thousand six. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's I mean, okay. miles you got on there now. It's not a lot. I think we have like it's like a hundred and five thousand. So it's not a lot. I mean, we could keep that thing. We barely drive it. I mean, we could keep that thing for another ten years and be just fine. But we've gotten to a point where my wife and I are getting a little bit older. And it's hard to like buckle kids in and stuff like that inside that thing. You're all hunched over and and whatnot. And so, and every time that we go on a, like a long road trip or a vacation or whatever, we always get the Ford Transit mid roof, and you can walk straight up in those things. And there's an aisle in the seats in between mm. the seats. So captain's chairs for everybody. Yeah, kinda. Yep. So there's like a row, but on the left hand side, there's like one seat a piece on on the left, and then there's an aisle, and then there's two seats on the right. Then. So it's a pretty cool design. It's just it got a way better function to it. So that's kind of why we want to get one because we were just kind of like, I'm kind of tired of breaking my back and, you know, leaning over <laughs> chairs and stuff. And it's so just you're like, it's like you're uh, like you're crowd surfing over those. It is. That's probably. what it's like. That's exactly like, what it's like. Whoa. Yep. It's just not good. So we need to get a new one and it's going to be tough. Why not just get like four Volkswagen GTIs? Yes. And then you can That is a perfect segue, Julian. Julian. You're so dead You're the on. Man. You're so dead You're on. You're the man. <laughs> Jeff, so you were telling us in a work meeting a couple days ago about when you were in one of your previous jobs, you were like traveling down the highway 
in like two different cars and you had a mobile hotspot yes. and you were like tethering both vehicles. Yes. So yeah, you buy the GTIs and then you connect them together. I think we could do this. Basically make like a land space station. Yes. Only it moves. We'll so have you got the, like tunnels We'll and have stuff the taller and- kids like sit in the driver's side seat and I'll just have toe straps and I'll be like, <laughs> hit the brakes. <laughs> Get on a radio, like break a breaker. Okay, we're gonna actually hit the brakes. We're gonna hit the brakes here. Wow. Three, two, one, break. I sit down. Yeah, I oh. shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I regret that. Anyways, well, I think we can go ahead and move on to the main segment. So we're here. I've been wanting to do this episode for a while. I'm super, super stoked. Today, we're talking about the Volkswagen Golf GTI. So who here has actually, you guys have never owned one or been in one or driven one? No, I think the closest I've been to being in one of those was a Volkswagen Fox. Ooh, yeah. Not the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of like the Fox, though. It's kind of cool. My friend Andy had one, and it was uh, Andy. If you're listening, we had some good memories in the Fox. It's a it's a it's a fun car. He got it from his dad, drove it for a while. Oh, nice. What year was it? About? Do you remember? Oh gosh, I'd have to ask him. I, mean, I think it was maybe if I message him during our recording here, maybe he'll tell me. But I think it had to have been an '80s one, maybe maybe a '90. I don't know. I don't know when they stopped making them. So I guess there have been. There's now eight generations of this car. Yeah. And I think that I have driven six. What? Oh, my gosh. I'm so jealous. Six generations? Different. I mean, not exactly the same. I had a 90 Jetta GLI, which is the it's a GTI with a trunk. So, yeah, it's like a really close thing. It's really close. Not the same, but pretty close. I've never driven a first generation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of just hard to come by anyway yeah. these days. Is that the one that was like Europe only and we got the... Yeah, we, we, we got the 83 version. Rabbit. Yeah, the Rabbit okay. version. Was it yep. Rabbit? Okay. Yeah, it was a Rabbit. Yep. Yeah, it was the Rabbit GTI. Yeah, one of my best friends in college had a uh, Mark III. My friend Fredo, his dad, handed down a Mark III GTI to him that caught on fire. Really oh. nice car. Oh. <laughs> And then another <laughs> friend of mine had uh It was a great car, though. Great car. Really nice car. Knew a guy who had some liver problems. You know, he had you know, the dialysis and stuff like that. That was named Jeremy. He was a really talented artist. And he had a lime green Mark IV. That was a slick looking car. I really liked it. That was the first time I really kind of started to kind of covet this model. A little bit and it was around the same time I had my Mark II so it's like that those next to each other it's a big transition big difference and yep. those are not even a very well loved model you the, know that's the kind four of when they the, start to yeah the, the four. four yeah the three and the four they kind of start to lose the plot they get a little heavier yeah. they get bigger like the wider. GTI-ness is a little less special yeah because you can still kind of get the engine options with the normal models right. and things like that and then they like return to form my roommate Charles Charles Steelman, if you're listening, had a really slick 
2008 Mark V. And that kind of like reignited the fire. That was a really great car. He had come from a turbo diesel and then picked up this GTI. And I think he still drives it, as far as I can tell, unless he's replaced it with a new one. And then my wife has had a Mark VI and a Mark Seven. She just picked up a Mark Seven about a week ago. Nice. And before that, we had a Mark Six for you know seven or eight years. Okay. And um, man, the Mark Six is a really good driver's car. I mean, it's sharp, it's edgy, yeah. it's got all the styling is there. It's kind of a return. It's like twenty three hundred ish pounds, two hundred ish horsepower, yeah. and all the torques. I think they underrated them pretty. I would much agree. From the factory. Yep. Then the Mark Seven is just like really, really nice. You know, the, I thought the Mark Six was classy, and the Mark Seven. I mean, I'd put it up against just about anything. I'm a basic person, but it has a lot of great features. It has like lane assist. It'll park itself. It's got Goodness. 220 horse and weighs less. I think it's about 150 pounds lighter than the Mark Six, and it's the MBQ platform, which is just gets a lot of play in the Volkswagen lineup. A lot of things are based on it. But it's just a really sharp knife. And then the new Mark VIII that just came out, I think it's a 2022 model. You know, more power, less weight, sharper everything. I mean, I haven't driven one yet, but man, they're ramping up all the metrics that really make it a GTI. Even just looking at my wife's Mark VII, that's a little more spacious inside, but the outside packaging is pretty much the same and just really, really clean. You guys picked up a Mark VII? Yeah. New car? yeah, yeah. She bought a 2017 Mark Seven with uh, about thirty thousand miles on it. Nice. She picked up the Audubon package, which ends up putting like the Golf R brakes, and uh, it's really slick. Has all the things. Has all the things, and then more things. We're still finding things that it does. You know, like going <laughs> through infotainment and whatever else. There's just more and more and more. Does it have the uh, the CarPlay stuff? The Android Auto. Apple CarPlay integration. What I will tell you is that it will play her Spotify. Okay. There you go. That's as much as, that's as far as I've gotten. Because I've I've nice. driven the car maybe about five miles. Okay. Is she a car connoisseur herself or is she well, you know, uh taking influence from that, Julian or no, no, no. She's she has carved her own path in cars. So okay. I think she had a few options when she first got you know, when she was a first-time driver, and she went with a Volkswagen Passat and drove it for like 15 years and retired that into the white GTI and then retired the white GTI into this Mark Seven. So your wife's had three cars in her whole driving career? Yeah, and they've all been Volkswagens, and they've all been like 1.8 or 2.0 four-wheel drive turbo cars. Wow. So she just knows... That's just all she knows. She's a VW yeah. lady. She knows That's what, what she, she likes. Wants. Yeah, so, and, you know they've gotten nicer and nicer over the years. Yeah, and, you and know, if you like it, why why stray off? You yeah. know, to do the due diligence. You know, there were a couple of things that fell into the queue when she was driving things, and you know, a couple of Jeeps, a couple of things that were a little different. When we bought the GTI, we cross shopped the Mazda three. And the WRX and, you know, the GTI just came out as the grown up car in that package. You know, it was like uh, over the WRX, it had like a nice interior. And then over the 
Mazda 3 at the time, it had just like an engine that was good. I think <laughs> Mazda 3 has kind of struggled to be this like introductory car, but it has not really until I think really recently ended up with, you know, a grown-up interior and a grown-up motor and just like these things that are enthusiast checkboxes. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the WLRX was really really slick. It was probably my favorite to drive with a lot, but you know, you couldn't fit a stroller in the trunk. So, you know, there's some stuff that the GTI does because it's this like all-in-wonder hatchback that can kind of do everything that it's almost like a no compromises. I have an A3 that's a little bit tuned. It's the same as the Mark six platform TTI and I rally it, you know, and then I pick my kid up from school and pick the dog up and, you know, <laughs> nice. and just, it's one car that can do it all, you know, except fit 10 <laughs> to 12 people. Yeah. At that's the same why time. you get, Can't that's get why there. you get Sorry. four. That's right. That's why you get four and you so, tether them together. As is tradition, so when I was reading about, you know, every time I read about whatever car we're, we're going to talk about, I end up wanting to get one of those vehicles <laughs> for myself. But seriously, with the GTI, like, I'm like the total opposite of you, Julian, and, you know, and your wife. Nobody in my family has owned, you know, Volkswagens. My friend Andy had that Fox, but then otherwise I didn't really know too many people who had them, so I just haven't been around them. But, like, reading about it, I'm like, this car is, like, sounds like the perfect car like literally like it's it's one car of the year multiple times like it's like always highly regarded and i'm like this sounds like it's this is like a better a better version of the car that i have now you know the old Elantra gt i'm like it's just did i just go get a well they're kind of gti man they've always been kind of a trendsetter as well especially in the hot hatch you know they started that trend you know, and I think, especially like the Mark Seven, I thought that that was way ahead of its time. You know, as far as like the overall aesthetics and everything, I really feel like there was cars that were coming out three years later that were starting to try to mimic that. Yeah, I agree with you, but I don't know. I've never owned one myself, and I've never known anyone that personally owned one. So I don't know what the reliability is like. Are they pretty good cars, Julian? Or I've had pretty good luck with mine over the years. You know, the Volkswagen, you know, 2.0 turbo or the 1.8 turbo is kind of going back is a little bit like the Chevy 350 or the LS, you know, in that, you know, is an LS reliable? Sure. If you're banging on it all the time, a little less so. Sure. You know? Yeah. But they really do have a like a high spec motor that you can just wail on. I mean, it's kind of designed for that. It's fun to rev out. By and large, the cars overall are pretty reliable. I mean, I, you know, Fredo's caught on fire, but that I don't think was <laughs> indicative of the overall experience. Other than the one that caught on fire, they're good. That's funny. My wife's was pretty flaw. The Mark Six she had was flawless. You know, I mean, we took it for maintenance, you know, for 80,000 miles, and that was it. You know, got oil changes, and it was a DSG, so it got DSG fluid changes. And she probably wasn't wrapping it out, though, or anything like that too hard, so... I mean, she drives, you know, she drives it. She she doesn't not use her car. So she doesn't drive like my wife. <laughs> my wife drives like an old lady. <laughs> so I bought it by A3 from my brother. There was a timing tensioner issue with those cars for the motors for a couple of years. But he like, he turroed that car also for a while. And so, you know, it was basically a rental. Oh, sure. For a time period. And, you know, I put a motor in it, but I have 165K on it. And have no doubt that I could go out right now and get wherever I need to go. 
by and large, the interior is still together. Like I, so I used to work on cars for a shop and every now and then we'd get something like a catfish Camaro and I would get in that car and it would have like 50,000 miles, but like the whole interior felt like it had deflated a little bit. And like getting into my car, like everything is, you know, if I dust off a little bit, like the finish is still good. Nothing's torn up. The the cushions are solid. Yeah, like cushions are solid. The seams aren't splitting. The back cover panel in the hatch hasn't discolored to like blue or purple, you know, and things like that. And I got an E46 this week, borrowed it for a few days and the kind of the same idea, you know, like that car, you get in it and like the materials are good. You know that basically it's not going to fall apart around you. You're not worrying about lots of like little interior rattles or, you know, stuff that kind of makes the experience non-mechanical experience. Cheapens it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of cars are either built to a price or a specification. You know, like if you're buying a Mercedes G-Wagon, it's built to a specification. You're going to pay whatever it costs Mercedes to build it. And then if you're picking up, uh, you know, I'm going to pick on Chevrolet like a Chevy (laughs) Aveo for $10,000, like you kind of have the expectation it's not going to last you 300,000 miles, right? Right, I mean, right. And I think they kind of hit the sweet spot in the middle. The MSRP for, actually, it's it's creeped up quite a bit recently. I think when we bought our Mark 6, it was about 28, but now I think they sticker for closer to 30, 33. And to get a fully loaded GTI, it's closer to 35. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at like the I think the Autobahn is that like the really high one? Yeah, I think uh, it was like thirty six, maybe. Yep, I'd believe it. But they start out really pretty reasonable. Yeah, and you know you can buy a base golf. Well, you could. You used to be able to buy a base golf. They stopped making those. At least they stopped importing them. I don't know if they're still making them in Europe, but GTI is all we're getting these days because that's all anybody really should be buying. I guess is almost a way to say it. But yeah, their engines are awesome. And, you know, they use kind of the same family of engines in the Golf R and the Audi TT, the TTS. They use them with a different turbocharger. So the base car comes with an IS20, and the R's and the TTS come with an IS38. And the IS38s, I mean, you can take that to APR, they'll put a cab back on it, and you can make 380 Goodness. horsepower and 400 wow. pound feet. You know, in a car that's 3,200 pounds. And that's, <laughs> that's insane. Right? Wow. Like, what planet are we living on? I know. You know, and that's, that's a hot hatch. And that, that software is like $500. You right. know, it's like not even expensive exactly. to, to get it to that level. You know, mine's like 280 horse. Mm-hmm. And like that's, in a front-wheel drive car, there's really not much room for more. Right. You know, I mean, you're just going to wheel spin or dive into a corner. You know, but they'll put it on there. And... I guess Volkswagen's done a little bit of work on the traction side too, because they got the electric limited slip diff in the Mark Seven, and so they've got the ability to kind of manage more power and really put it around a corner better. Yeah, which so, is smart. Yeah, and again, like you're saying, like kind of ahead of the curve. You know, for a while they didn't do that, and right? And it's like when the Mustang kind of realized, well, I guess we've got to go to independent rear suspension if mm-hmm. we want to handle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's not just about doing Bernie's. That's right. (laughs) Right. You know, we're not just selling drag cars. That's right. So it's an enthusiast car, and like every generation gets a little bit better and better and better. The technologies improve, and they throw it in there. But, you know, again, 
Like the prices have started to kind of go up with that. I don't know if that's just related to the value of money these days, but you know, I mean, a Golf R sticker is above forty, and that starts to be serious coin for a car. Yeah, but when you consider what it does, you know, yes, it's not bad yeah. though. I mean, there's no. other cars out there that are comparable that are probably yeah twenty k more. You know, and it's yeah. like that that's not bad. And today's yeah. money, that's not bad at all. No. I think forty ish is around the average transaction price for a new car. Forty is the new twenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say as I'm Man. turning forty this year. So I'm on right. I'm on Volkswagen site and they have golf and mm-hmm. golf GTI. So okay. golf starts at twenty three one ninety five and the GTI is at twenty eight six ninety five. Okay. Well, 28's a really a good value for that. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah, that 23, I mean, because it's like you're saying, like the Chevy Aveo, like you could go dirt cheap on something like that, but... Yeah, but the thing know, is... It's built to the price, so the exactly. quality isn't, isn't very good, and the Golf at 23, you know, is, is probably is going to be just way, way better. It's going to feel more intentional and less like, here, here's for a cheapy college kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. I mean, I don't even. Man, what is Chevy's like? Tiny, tiny car now. The Spark. To yeah, to give Chevy credit, I think they've gotten better. Like when they made when they're yeah. making the the Aveo, it was trash probably, but you know they've gotten better now. You know, I'll just like quickly compare it to like a Miata, right? That's like the answer to everything. You know, they start at twenty six, twenty seven thousand bucks, and that's a really fundamentally basic car you know and the gti is giving you a heck of a lot more car yeah for about a thousand bucks yeah you, That's get, two, you get yep. two more seats three yep. actually more infotainment <laughs> you a lot more metal yeah. a lot more a lot, yeah. a lot more yeah. i mean i know it takes more to build a light car you know but mm-hmm. right you know that's a hundred and eighty you know 178 180 horsepower car versus you know 230 260 i mean it's pretty impressive the Mazda 3 starts around 20 and yeah. some things like that. And there are always deals. Like I was shopping for cars and I found the Chevy Bolt, which is the small compact electric. Correct. Yeah, because they got rid of the Volt, right? So they sticker for 43, but then Chevy, I guess, must have had something happen where their 2021 is a lot better than the 2020 or something and they can't sell 2020s. Because they are like eighteen thousand dollars off MSRP, so you're buying that car for a song, you know. But is it something you're going to get in and be like really excited about? Right. They're having a hard enough time selling it; they have to half it off. Have to, so. <laughs> yeah. The, so Chevy's cheapy car, the Spark, yes. just said, starts at thirteen four. Okay. And I mean, yeah, well, which isn't bad. I mean, no, not yeah. at all. I saw a few incentivized. Almost down to 10k, you know, mm-hmm. getting rid of the 2020s. Dang. I mean, it's you know, that's how they do at the end of the year. They've anything they've got left in January is a problem, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe that's an idea for a, a like just way in the future. Like, we buy like a cheapest when we have when you know, when we're overflowing with cash, you know, we buy the cheapest car we can find brand new and then do a long term test. I don't know, man, that seems too boring. I don't know. Well, I, I think we just run it through the you know, through the mill. Should we just like, just top gear it? <laughs> yeah. Top, top gear, gear it. it. Just, yeah. That's funny. Well, yeah. Like we're like, we're going to destroy we this We should car. just do that Thank anyways. 
Yeah. That sounds like fun. Chevy Spark. <laughs> well, I personally, I've never, I've never driven a GTI, which sucks. I have not either. Do it. We're missing out. Right. The closest thing I've ever driven was my brother's first car was a 75 Rabbit. Okay. I tell nice. you what, I loved that car. Got some crap for it because it was like this pea green soup color it was really like like teenage mutant ninja turtle color and he got a lot of crap for the color but i tell you what that thing was a lot of fun and it's really ingrained into me a lot of kind of what you wouldn't think of this with the lincoln that i dropped but it ingrained in me a lot of what i look for towards a sports car and that's just the mechanical side of it and i've talked about this before that if i was to buy a car that's uh, for speed and agility and things of that nature. I appreciate supercars like no other, but I would never buy one myself. I don't care if I was the richest man in the world. I would not get a supercar because they just don't do anything for me. It's like, you're just going fast. Okay, that's cool. All right. But to me, there's something about driving something that's just, you're in a box of metal that's just wrapped in some plastic, maybe a little bit of leather, and you feel everything. And that was ingrained in my DNA from that 75 Rabbit because it was basically a little bit of plastic, a lot of vinyl, and a lot of like cardboard and and metal just everywhere. (laughs) And when you're driving, you hear the clanking of everything going on in the car. And, you know, when you're closing a door, it's not like about making sure it sounds nice and quiet when it closes. It's a chunk, you know, and you're driving in a tin can, you know, but I tell you what, it is so much fun because it's so responsive to what you're doing. It's like you can literally feel the tires pull, you know, when you're getting on it and everything, you know, from the gear shifter and the speedometer, you know, you're not just hitting down a gas and letting it rip. I just feel like those mechanical type cars were kind of losing that, especially now with everything going into the EVs. But, you know, we're losing that where that mechanical side like intermingles with our DNA and it feels like it's a part of us. And that's just something that I really miss. That's why my favorite, dare I say, muscle car, which I know a lot of people would say it's not a muscle car, but my favorite, you know, muscle car is the Fox Buddy Mustang, because I think that was kind of the last era of a car that was just built simple and built fun, you know, and after that, it's all about, oh, we have to have all these safety features and comfort level stuff, and we have to make sure that we have, a, you know, a thousand computer components in it, and it's more about the journey from A to B, and less about the actual experience of what you're doing, you know, and I hate that. Yeah, I know. And we've, you know, we've talked about that a few times, just kind of the, the whole loss of the driving experience. It's not as much about the driving. Like you said, it's just about being at one spot and then getting to the next spot and then being comfortable. Yeah. We want to be able to play all of our music and we can watch you know, movies in the back and we have Wi-Fi and all this, all this crap and the car's not fun anymore. Man. It's all about the technology that it's mm-hmm. got and the cool stuff. I'm so glad you said the word fun too, because what I've been thinking about in the back of my head right now is because Jeff is talking about like the experience of it and like the hearing of the things. Mm-hmm. The clanks. Yeah. <laughs> Something that's been like a GTI tradition since the beginning is that they have this like golf ball knob shifter yes, yes. and plaid interior. Yes. 
And it's oh, like, yeah, the plaid. Yeah. You oh, can't, I love that. You can't like get in that car and be like, okay, we're going to be really serious right now. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, it's just playful. Like you get in, it's like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Let's go play golf. Let's go have like a good afternoon, blow off some steam. Do they still come with the golf ball shifter or was that just like Mark one? No, no. I mean, I think that they still come with that shifter. I think Do it's they? been like a design element that they've carried through forever. So Volkswagen's like first female designer and she worked there for ever is who came up with it. You know, it's just something that really stuck. Her name was Gunhild Lindquist. And, you know, it's one of those things that just was this really cool quirk that made it stand out and kind of gave it some personality, you know, without trying to be, like, aspirational. You know, like, it just kind of had a sense of humor about itself. Sure, yeah. Well, you said the word, and it... Not to keep beating a dead horse on this, but you said fun. It also dances on the the line of what I thought was cool about, especially the Mark One, was that was back then where it was like, okay, there was such a distance of here's a car to get you from A to B, and here's fast enthusiasts, you know, sports car enthusiasts, stuff like that. There's such a gap in what people could afford. And so there's the regular person that just had nothing, you know, it was like, well, I'm a car enthusiast, but I can't afford a, you know, Porsche or something like that, you know? And so it's like, well, I guess I just have to drive this rabbit or whatever the case may be, you know, a bug, you got a bug. Yeah. A bug or something like that. But then they came yeah. out with the GTI and then the, the regular guy was like, finally something fun. It's not, something that you're going to just blow everybody's doors off or anything like that, but it was fun. And I think that the interior on that Mark one, like dead serious, that is probably one of the best interiors that I've ever seen. And it's very simple, but it looks sporty. It's actually to me kind of comparable to even the muscle cars of that era. But then again, that golf ball, you know, shifter knob is just, it's just cool. Mm -hmm. They just did a great job. And I got to say the plaid interior, like, even though, like I said, I haven't been around these cars much, but, you know, obviously I, I see them like on the street or whatever. You see that and you're like, oh yeah, you know, that's the GTI, it's the golf stuff. So that's my favorite thing right now, considering I don't have a lot of experience with them, but yeah. Well, and what's kind of cool is the Mark IV came out with a Pirelli edition, which I thought was pretty sexy. It had Pirelli wheels, Pirelli tires, and then the coolest feature of it all is that it actually had the seats, the seat covers or whatever, looked like it had tire prints going down the actual seats <laughs> itself. And so it was stitched in that way that looked like tire treads. Man, that's that's something cool. But again, it's fun. Those GTIs, they've always gotten down to business, you know, but they've always been fun too. Yeah. I mean, the Mark II had Recaro's. Yeah. And they're slick. Yeah. Like side bolstered and had this like really cool slant pattern. Well, that's what I'm saying. Even today, it looks serious. You know, like that's something that you would get into and not be like, well, they tried. You know, I mean, that's something that you're like, hey, this, this actually, it still works. It's still functional. I'm looking at the, the new one or well, the 21, 2021. The backup camera is the like the logo, the emblem, the VW emblem, and it like tilts up. Oh, really? To reveal the camera. Wow. That's also how you open the hatch on the Mark 6s and 7s. Okay. So that logo My. tilts 
and pops the hatchback open. That is so cool. That's like something fancy you'd see on like a, you know, like one of those luxury cars, like a Jaguar or something where the hood ornament like, you know, recesses into the car or something, you know, into the hood or something so that people don't steal it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's just that's cool. That's some James Bond stuff right there. That's some where's the ejector (laughs) seats and the oil seat. That's right. Slick. No, I don't think they've done as well on the front. On the front, it's really just a rectangle. Yeah. Yeah. They cut out. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. So let's talk about the aesthetics a little bit here. So I'm just going to kind of go off a rating. Maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do like some ratings or whatever. So I would say, actually, I wrote this down because I wanted to talk this through. So Mark 1 through Mark 8, this is my rating as far as the aesthetics. I gave it Mark 4 as my favorite. And I'm probably going to get a lot of crap for that. But I, again, you, Julian, you nailed it. You said that was the first time that the GTI came out that you kind of like took real notice to it. And that mm-hmm. was exactly with me, exactly with me. And I think probably the same thing to me. Like, you know, I see that picture compared to the other generations. And I'm like, that's the one that I probably have seen the most of, that I recognize the most is Mark IV. I love the Mark IV first and then the Mark I second. And then the Mark Seven, and then the Mark Three, Two, Mark Six, Mark Five, and Mark Eight last. And the whole reason I don't like the Mark Eight, I think it's the worst, is there's so many cool features on it. Don't get me wrong, I love the interior, I love the back end of it, I love the profile of it. The front end to me, it has like this weird low brow thing where it just looks like it's like a frumpy caveman or something. <laughs> It's got that lip on it that kind of sticks out beyond the bumper sticks out like beyond the yeah. lower like ground effect. And thing. I'm sure it'll grow on me, you know, as all the GTIs have, you know, if I was like rating these things on like a scale from like one to ten. I mean, we're talking we're talking I'm in high eights and nines with all of these, you know, I mean, they're just a, yeah. they're just mm-hmm, a little yeah. bit off. I'm not saying like, oh, man, that right. Mark eight's like a three. No, I mean, it's still a cool car. I'd still take one in a heartbeat. And like I said, I'd get over that front end probably after a while, but it's so new and it's just a, a little odd to me. But I feel bad for the Mark V because I think that the Mark V gets a pretty crappy, you know, name. You know, or, or, I want to say name, but not a lot of people like the Mark V. And I think that a lot of people attribute that as like the worst year. But and I don't know why that is. Julian, do you, am I off or? So I think the Mark V is when they start to actually kind of like get the plot back. Yeah. Maybe not from an aesthetic standpoint, you know. I think it's. I think it does look more like a kid's car than a grown-up car. True. Than almost all the other models, but I think that like that's when they start to really nail down the formula again. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. That's the thing. I, I know it's kind of further down my list or whatever, as far as like which ones I like or whatever. But I still think it's a cool car. And like you said, it best. It's like they got the plot back, and I I feel like there's a lot more homage for the five to the one than there was in probably any other year prior to that. Once they went to the Mark III, it was like, that was the biggest shift. And it was like, okay, now we're going to start making them fat. We're going to start making them heavy. We're going to start focusing on other things, you know, other than just speed and fun or whatever. But like you said, when it started getting all the way up to the five, that's when they brought it back. Like, okay, let's really accentuate the plaid. Let's really accentuate just the stiffness and rigidity of, of what we are trying to do. I like it. Again, it's further down my list, but I like the Mark V. But to me, again, Mark IV, hands down, if I had a choice with any of those, I'd pick the Mark IV any day. I mean, it may not be the fastest, but to me, I think it's the better looking of all of them. 
Yeah. I think I would agree with you. You know, I like the four, you know, better than five and six. And then like seven and eight is kind of where it, you know, comes back for me. I don't have as much affection or affinity towards the, towards the first few generations, I guess, cause I just don't have, don't have that experience, you know, of driving in them. And they really weren't around. Right. I mean, right, yeah, right. probably even for, especially for you guys in the Midwest, but like even on the coast. Yeah. I mean, that's not a car that you just saw and ended up with, you know? You had to like look for one, find one. They were kind of pricey at that point when I was looking for cars because at that point they're a collectible. I think uh, somebody I knew in high school, I think his dad drove like a, in the same like gen, the same as the second gen, the Mark II had a Jetta. Like it was brown. Right. Yeah. And it kind of had that same look. It definitely wasn't like the third gen level. So it had to have been that second gen. And my friend Andy got back to me about the Fox. It was a 93. Nice. Okay. 93 Fox. And that was a fun little car. It was fun. But anyway, Julian, how do you rank these? Well, it took me a long time to kind of warm up to the seven. And I think a lot of it depended on color and also because I had a six. And so the six is really restrained from a design standpoint. And then the seven starts to get a little bit more like techno fun. And they add like deeper front grill and a few things that I felt were just kind of like stylized for style's sake instead of like the really purposeful lines of the six. I honestly would rank, and I haven't seen one in person, but I'm really kind of getting into the eight. And there are some things that I think it takes from the seven and it like makes them more purposeful and a little less stylized. I like that they have this like red LED line all the way across the front and those funky fog lights. They're like the five piece hex that are worked into the lower grill. I do think the lower grill on that one is big. It's just like a big black hole. And again, like we've talked about, modern cars just kind of tend to have this big black hole in them. Right. Yeah. And Volkswagen has chosen to put theirs at the bottom. So Julian, real quick. So you're talking about like stylized versus functional. Like what would be like an example with the GTI or something where you see is like is more stylized and then something where they either they improved it and made it functional or went from functional, you know, to a stylized. So like looking at the Mark Six compared to the Mark Seven, they both have front corner lights. And the Mark Seven has just like this bump out on the corners. It's not as integrated. Uh, and then it has like these thinned little areas there next to the lights that just stick out more. They don't really do anything. They're just there and they stick out more. And so it's kind of like uh, if you were to tease your hair up, you know, on the seven is like a six with its hair teased up. So it's, for me, like the six is more restrained. The five is like the most restrained in a sense. You know, it's really just hewn from one smooth draping piece of metal. And I think the six kind of does that too. I love the two because I had one. I'm really just there for the nostalgia factor. In Europe, they got round headlights. I think the square headlights are kind of, you know, a lot of people switched them out. And I think it changes the car a lot. You know, with the square headlights, it could be pretty much any compact car ever. And with the round headlights and the red line around it, you really see it as a GTI. On the bottom, 
kind of the Mark III and the Mark V. You know, the Mark III, I just don't have anything that I'm super into about it. They made that car, and it's just sort of car. I don't think that it has a lot of personality visually, especially compared to the others. And then the five again, it's like a little bit more boy racer, a little bit fussy design in the front end, whereas I think the six cleans a lot of that stuff up. And actually, like the five and six are the same platform. So really a six is an evolved five, but I feel like they've evolved the whole car. It's much more the type of car that a grown-up in their 40s might buy as a reasonable piece of transportation as opposed to something that looks like it's going to be at Sonic on Friday night. Yeah. Like, that's uh, danced out with neons or something. Yeah. You know, then there's like the classic, classic first gen. I mean, there's nothing I don't love about that. So I'd probably put like the one and the eight at the top. And I think the eight's just going to grow on me. I think that it, like, right now, like when I first saw it, I had a lot of the same thoughts that you do, Jeff. Like, man, why is this front end like this? Da, da, da. But it's kind of like the Supra, I think, in photos versus in person. And in certain colors versus other colors, you really start to see, you know, the whole package a little bit better. My wife's Mark 7 is black. And so all those things are sort of teased out. They're like highly accentuated on any other color really work on it because they fade a little bit. They don't look as extreme. They don't look as standout-ish, as shouty, I guess, maybe is a good word. Right. But I think that, man, I think that 2022 is going to be like a return to this, you know, business suit type of uh, aesthetic. Mm. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it, though. Or I guess like running suit. I mean, it's not quite, right. you know. <laughs> it's like a running suit. It's like a track it's suit. It's like a Adidas track suit with a gold chain. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think like the Mark 8 is that minus the... Yes. Like the, I, I kind of see that. That's the kind of suit I want. Yeah, Like the Mark 7 gets a little blingy. Oh, right. Man. So yeah, let's rank these uh, as if they were track suits. Now, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, can you still get these all? I, I just don't know. Can you still get mm-hmm. all of these in an actual like five or six speed or, or are they getting away yeah. from the manual? Yeah, okay. definitely. And I think that they have like one of the highest uptakes of manuals of any. Yeah. Which makes sense. Still made. Yeah. That's them just saying, Hey, we don't care. We're just going to keep doing this because people love it, you know? And they probably see the demand and they're just going to sit in that pocket for a while, I bet. But I'm really curious because I don't know if you guys have been watching the news and stuff or paying attention. I mean, we're getting a lot of this in our magazines and stuff that we're getting as well. But there's a lot of manufacturers that are like, okay, by 2025, we're going full EV. And by 2030, we're going full EV. And and it's like, whoa, we've been talking about it for a while, but this is getting Mm kind of crazy. It's getting real serious. You wonder how like Volkswagen's gonna are they just gonna be like, We don't care. We're just gonna keep, you know, sitting in our pocket as well. But I don't know. So I found some quick numbers for you. And these are a little skewed, right? Because a lot of brands don't maybe offer everything in every flavor. You know, I think that like Honda Civic SIs and Type R's are manual only. But for the Civic overall, about thirteen and a half percent our manual uptake for Toyota, the Corolla hatches had a 15% uptake, but like the golf. So they made the golf and they made the golf sport wagon, which is like the golf wagon. So the golf R and the GTIs 
44% left with a manual. Wow. No kidding. And then the sport wagon, which you would think is maybe a little more family oriented, Mm -hmm. you know, 28%. Jiminy. And then the Toyota 86, the little fun Toyota room. Yeah, Toyota room. There you go. And that's a super enthusiast car. That's 33%. Okay. So, you know, it's right in that. It's it's the highest of any of these kind of enthusiast type vehicles. The GTI, Golf GTI was higher than the than the FRS 86 yeah. Toyobaru. Yep. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Man, good for them. <laughs> if I was to go crazy and... and get rid of the Elantra GT and get a GTI mm-hmm. would have to be a stick. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. do an automatic. Yeah. That's the way I see it. It's like even okay, even though I kind of have this mentality that if I'm going for fun, you know, and there's a car that I really really love and it comes with the option of a manual transmission, I have to go for it. And a lot of people, are, you know, that know me, they're like, "Well, you had that HHR SS, and it was an auto." The reason I did that was because my wife can't drive a stick, and she has no inclination of wanting to learn how to drive a stick. And so I was like, "I had to," you know, because we mm-hmm. had to kind of share mm-hmm. that as our yeah, daily. Yeah. So sacrifices must be made sometimes. That's right. That's right. Speaking of like, you know, looking for a car, you know, a, a cool car that's going to be fun. You know, you're you want to get it in stick. You guys know the feeling like when you're browsing for cars, you know, just, just looking and you're like, oh man, there's a 88 RX7 yeah. or, or a 1990 yeah. 300ZX. And then and oh, you, it's you a click unicorn, on it. McUnicorn. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> click on it and it's like, you're like, it's everything I ever wanted, but it's. Yeah. Like, you're like, it's so perfect. No! It's so perfect. Yeah. And then you look at it and you're like, no. It's like, like it happens yeah. so often. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this car would be perfect, except yeah, it's not It's always the like really, really clean ones that are low yes. miles. You're like, oh, right? yeah. it's everything oh. I ever almost wanted. You know, I guess that's probably why, you know, there's these crazy people that, that do conversions, mm-hmm. you know, from automatic to manual. It's probably, maybe that's not so crazy. No. I mean, I know somebody right now who's converting an automatic to a manual, maybe. I got a funny story about that like two minute funny story. So probably not even that long, but so my second car was an 87 Dodge shadow turbo. I love that car, but it was an automatic. And again, at the time I didn't even know how to drive a stick. And it was just like, I was just so happy to get away from my stupid 81 Ford escort. And I was like, this is kind of a cool car. It's red. It's got a bump in the hood. Hey, that's cool. Let's get it. You know, so so I got it and I fell in love with the car, but there was an auto. And I was like, man, I want to keep this car forever, but I got to get a stick. This is driving me crazy. And so I like had the money saved and everything. I was like, I want to turn this thing into a manual transmission because they obviously made them with a manual transmission. And I called around to everywhere and everybody was like, you want to do what? And I remember I called up. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of the place. There was a local transmission outfit in Fremont, Nebraska. And I called him up. I was like, yeah, I'm trying to do this and trying to, he's like, yeah, we, we can, we can turn a, a car from an auto to a manual. We do it all the time and stuff. No, no, no. He's like, it's pretty pricey. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And he's like, okay, what car are we talking about? And I said, an 87 Dodge shadow. And it's just dead silence. He goes, you want to do what to a what? <laughs> <laughs> He was like, man, he goes, that's going to cost more money than what that car is worth. You don't want to do that. Oh, I was like, man. I do. I love my car. And he's like, son, yes, you do. just want to go buy the one then. Don't do not do that to that car. He's like, it's it costs way too. You want to do a what to a what? 
That's hilarious. So I was like, fine, don't take my uh, money, whatever. But then I went and got my 88 Shelby, so. Well, Jeff, write that down for your bucket lists. When you finally get to the point where you can, just do it because you That's right. Could. I'm just going to do it because I could. I'm going to turn a 87 Dodge Shadow Turbo Auto into a manual transmission. <laughs> <laughs> Cost me $19,000. How much was the car? Yeah, $1,100. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, you know, talking about these automatic, like, Julian, you sent us a link on the car gurus here of like the GTIs. And so I'm clicking around the ones, you know, the other ones that are nearby, like nine out of 10 are automatics. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? What is up with this? Because nobody's getting rid of their sticks. So I'll tell you what. I would even encourage you. And I know that, you know, we're talking about this as the enthusiast car. And I'm trying to encourage you to drive one. Probably that's a manual. But they have one of the best transmissions as an auto that I've ever driven anyway. Dual speed. It's a, was it dual selector? DSG, dual selector? Yeah, DSG. Mm -hmm. They've... Basically, where it has like two sets of gears, and it's the closest to an automated manual that I've ever owned. And it'll basically like pre selects the next gear and then, you know, we'll shift into it. And so it's really lightning fast. I mean, it's faster than me, you know, and the delay is. I still prefer the manual, right? For other reasons, you can slip the clutch, you can do all these other things, but it's just, it's such a sharp transmission that I don't think that it's the penalty that we might normally, yeah. I still think, you know, with the paddles, which are on all of them, you still have that interaction. So I think it's pretty fun. I think they're still pretty fun. Okay, okay. Now, is your wife's, is hers automatic? Yep, absolutely. And so both of hers have been the DSG, and it's just really sharp. And something that the manual does not do that the DSG does is sort of colloquially referred to as the DSG fart. And it just like has this really great, if you're on it, it has this really great sort of like in between gears where, and they may not do that as much anymore. I think emissions are tightening, but, you know, it dumps a little extra fuel as you're shifting and just creates this fun moment. You know, again, like in terms of just having fun, you know, it makes you maybe feel like you're, you're driving not, something. Yeah. You know, maybe you're not pushing the lever, but you're getting some feedback from it in a positive, put a smile on your face kind of way. So, and I'm not so sure that it wasn't like the precursor to some of this, like these crackle tunes mm -hmm. that people put yeah, on cars nowadays. Yeah, yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, that's the thing like with the Fiesta GTs and stuff like that, you know. Like, I'm not a huge fan of them, and they are what they are and everything. But I tell you what, every time I see somebody driving one, I'm like, they're having fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're having yeah. fun. Good for them, you know? That's totally cool. And it was the same thing with, like, the Neon SRT4. You know, they kind of got a lot of crap and stuff, but I thought they were cool cars. They drove really fun, and they sounded good, man. That exhaust on those things was really, really nice. I know. I think we're winding down a little bit here, but I wanted to kind of circle back. You know, we mentioned how stuff were going all EV soon. And I was reading about the GTI today and I saw that they actually, they had made several generations made into electric city stromer models. 
so they had made these electric versions of the golf really yeah the e-golf the e-golf huh what was the first year they did that man when was that I mean, this looks. This has got to be like nineties. No, not quite. Ninety-four. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Sorry. Feel like there was an electric version way back in the day, but first was in the seventies. They took a standard Golf yeah. Mark One, converted <laughs> it to electric power. And, you know, not as any like serious exercise, but I mean, that's something that they've toyed with. That's cool. Forever. And now, you know, when everyone's getting serious, sounds like they're working on it mm-hmm. still. Yeah, I think after hold our heads in shame, Dieselgate. One of the things that they had to do in terms of reparations is basically dump a ton of money into some kind of Earth-friendly technology. And I think it was, you know, the order of a couple hundred million dollars into electric. And right now, even, I think that they just laid off a bunch of people, something like 4,000 people that are in their traditional motors division because they're really leaning towards the electric. And I guess they've made the, like, actual e-golf that you could buy that had like a you know a hundred and change mile range since like 2015 you know so about six years now I guess and the latest one I think is it's a little bit of a pricey car I mean for an electric it's mid 30s though and that's kind of in the realm of a lot of other stuff Audi did the e-tron that had the the Sportback e-tron that had a combination you know you could get it with the uh, 200 horsepower turbo engine and electric hybrid, which, you know, sounds pretty awesome. It's kind of a weird spot, you know, with the like Nissan Leaf probably being the most consumer oriented popular model that I can think of. And then like the Tesla Model S being easily twice the cost of a Leaf. But yeah, they they've been dabbling, you know, if you needed a Volkswagen that was electric, they had something for you to buy. Yeah, I'm trying to think like what other like all electric consumer friendly ones, you know, the Leaf has been around for quite a while now. I mean, definitely. They just redesigned it recently. But other than that, I mean, like, what did we have that wasn't a hybrid that was actually like a full EV? You got the Leaf, and then, like you said, Tesla. Can't think of anything else that wouldn't cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> They're coming out with the 21 ID3. And so that replaces the e Golf. I think the e-golf is dead, but you know it's like a three hundred and change mile range. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, and I think that yeah, it, you that's know, it's great. supposed to compete with like the same category, at least on Leaf, the BMW i3. Yeah, you know, but that's basically a two hundred horsepower electric, and yeah. so you're kind of like buying a Mark Six GTI that you never have to put gas in, which is pretty great, and just plug it in at night. Yeah, and they didn't call it Mustang. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Volkswagen's like, you know what? That's a cool name. We'll call it ours That's Mustang right. 2. Here, hold my beer. <laughs> we'll call it the Mustang 2. Just start writing Ford checks. That's right. <laughs> Mustang 2. Like they, they, they stole the Mustang 2 from us. They can't do that. No, they can have it. That's fine. Is that like the most hated Mustang? The Mustang 2? You know, I would probably imagine so. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. It's got to be. I mean, it's, it's a bad, that was a bad dark era <laughs> for Ford, man. It was a bad dark era. I mean, they are, ugly, yeah, they are, but I like, them. yeah, that's the I thing. Like like, I've grown an appreciation and respect for them now. When I see them at car shows and stuff, ever so often, 
I'm like, you know what? Mad props to you for driving that thing and taking such pride in it, you know, but they just come across really cheapy and, you know, again, Ford saying, hey, let's just stick the Mustang name on it and it'll sell good. They did it back in the 70s and I guess they're doing it now. They're doing it again. Because <laughs> I like that. I like that Mach-E and stuff, you know, but it, it's not a bad car. It's, it's pretty cool looking, but it's, it's not, not a Mustang, Mustang though. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. To each their own. I'm really curious on how, guys, we're at the brink of something right here. We are at the brink of this EV wave, and yeah, it's almost over. For yeah, gas. Yep, it's almost over, and it's sad, but it's also exciting to see what's going to happen. Yep. The shakeup, yeah, yep. you know. Yeah, I mean, I know you know we've talked about you know being uneasy about it, you know, or I've mentioned that I'm like it always kind of weird me out a little bit, but like because when you thought of electric, you just thought of this like just weird sci-fi, just bubbly, odd looking crap and now it's like there's gonna be a little bit of that i guess because they're always kind of going that futuristic thing but it's really like you said it's exciting to see kind of what they're coming up with how they're like taking models that they have now and they're kind of electrifying them or coming up with new models exactly and i think what we're experiencing or just finishing up experiencing i think is kind of what the 50s was with the space race and how like all these cars had like look like rocket ships and stuff like this is what the future cars are going to look like and stuff like that you know and i feel like we're there with the evs and stuff and that's starting to die down and finish off and i think that with now everybody being like okay we better start getting into this and stuff i think that the like oh it's so futuristic and conceptual you know they're gonna start getting away from that and just start building new car you know their regular cars that are just evs and they'll stop all this business of it's got three buttons that's all you need you know it's like yeah <laughs> it's like i want more than three buttons you drive it with your mind that's a- <laughs> there's no you wheel drive it with your mind <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of which, okay, I'm sorry. And this is probably something I probably should have brought up in the rubber rounds because we're getting a w- little bit far away from the GTI here. But have you guys seen the Audi AI Trail? It's a concept car. No. Oh my gosh. This thing, I guess they're gonna try to actually manufacture this thing. And okay. it is obviously it'll never look like the full concept, but it has five drones on the roof that act as a light bar and as you're driving along you can deploy the drones off of your roof and they will go up ahead and light up the road in front of you further ahead than what your headlights can see and when you park and say you want to you know you're far away from your house or your destination or whatever these drones will follow you lighting up your path as you get to your destination and then they'll go back and park at your car and then when you're ready to walk back to your car you can call them up to you and they'll light up your path as you walk to your car again so like that is insane i don't think that they'll do that but there's videos of it i mean i think it's a concept i think it's cgi you know the videos but i don't think they'll be able to do this because if this like takes off and like a lot of people are like, hey, let's start doing drones on our cars and stuff, you know, it'll just look like, <laughs> like these like bugs like flying all over the place with drones and stuff slapping into <laughs> each other. So, yeah, exactly. It'll just be weird, you know, but it's a cool thing. That's innovative beyond innovative. 
Holy moly, that's like a that's like a moon rover. Right. It's cool. They actually have one. I mean, there's uh that I can't remember that that blonde haired lady that test drives all those Ferraris and all that other stuff. She gotta get in one and stuff. And it's pretty cool. I don't think that the drones worked on it at the time. But yeah, you just basically take your phone and you plug it in and that's your dash. There's a gas pedal and a brake and then a couple buttons on the steering wheel and then that's it. And your phone turns into your speedometer and everything. Wow. Can you imagine working in in that department that was designing that? Right. I was thinking the same thing. That'd be awesome. That's got to be wild. That'd be my dream. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, I could totally see you doing something like that, Julian. Man, absolutely. Yep. I'd be really into it. Yep. So anybody that works for something like that, you know, head Julian yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Let him know. Who do they pick to be in that department? Like, yeah, I don't you know. know. Do they, you got to be like put in your time and be there for 15 years before they, you know, before you mm, get in on like concept probably. vehicles. And it's probably like, a, I don't know. they probably have like yeah, a futurist department. You know, mm-hmm. where that's all they're kind of doing is just, it's just a whole Coming bunch up of with stuff. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of people who are beyond even cutting and bleeding edge who are just like, Hey, you know, right. wouldn't it be cool? I mean, that's how the iPhone started, right? It was like, wouldn't it be cool if I had something that did this, 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 and this make mm-hmm. it happen? Just complete clean sheet. Exactly. Complete clean sheet. I mean, think about that for a second. If you could come up with stuff, it's like, does nothing that's ever been done before. And you're just like, you know, I wish a car could, I don't even know. I don't even know. I mean, I I can't think like that, you know, but it's like, who would have ever thought about having drones come off of your car and light up the road ahead of you? Like, that's just insane, you know, but it's cool though. I don't think it'll happen, but maybe a little, a little bit of, you know, what they're coming up with that, you know, gets incorporated in somewhere down the line into a production. Right. I'm sure that's how a lot of concept stuff happens. Yeah, probably. Yes. Reminded me of a car that I think it's, yeah, it's for sale right now on Cars and Bids, which is Doug DeMuro's auction site. I pasted it in chat. It's called The Consumer Car by Joey Reuter. I was looking at that. That is interesting. Isn't it? It's a Ford Festiva, but it looks like a Pop-Tart that you drive. What? And <laughs> it looks like a pop-up camper driving on the road. If you flattened it. Yeah, it was just amazing, you know, that this thing exists and you could potentially buy it and put it back on the streets if you <laughs> i mean i don't know what you'd have to add to this car. but that's nuts like what is the you know, purpose just thinking about you know clean sheet like just do that away was the with point of this vehicle because it's different i mean yeah. it's kind of cool though i mean it's it's you're dry <laughs> you know what this uh, is I mean, you know what this is i tell you what this is uh, this is him when he was four years old and he took a box and he turned it into a car and he was like, I want to make a car just like that someday. And here he is. He took a box and turned it into a car. Wow. That's kind of rad, though. It is pretty neat. That's <laughs> all right, man. Is that I'm a going... mirror on the yeah, front? It's like a mirror. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm kind of I'm going through this. This is pretty cool. I like this. I drive two way mirror concealing three LED light strips. Wow. Yeah, so for listeners, just look up quote-unquote consumer car by joey Ryder r-u-i-t-e-r or Ruder. i don't know how you pronounce it. i'm probably butchering it but that is so cool it's just a it looks like a waterbed flying down the road <laughs> it looks like the sides look like a like a guitar like a yeah like a guitar case like an, or amp, like like an amp. amp or a monitor or something yeah. like that 
I mean, so we use these Dell docs at the office. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. We wow. gotta send this if over to Michael to, Dell. Hey, got a car yeah. concept for you. He's like, send it. There's 12 inch USB ports on the side. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, USB. Man, that's ZSB. Triple D. That's right. Oh man, that's that's pretty fun though. Wow. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. cool. Well, I think on that note, I think we can look at wrapping things up here. Please, everyone, listeners, make sure to go to Kofi.com. That's K-O-F-I.com backslash tire kicker media. And donate to us if you would. Buy us a coffee or give us a little bit extra. Every single penny that comes into Tire Kicker goes right back into the show for more episodes, more uh, equipment, things of that nature. And we greatly, greatly appreciate it. You don't have to, but hey, any donation helps. And we really appreciate it to those who have been doing it. It's been awesome. Also, please make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can look us up on all those just under Tire Kicker Media. Just try not to look on our Tire Kicker. Look on our Tire Kicker Media, and you'll find us on all three platforms. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. And until next time, good journey. Later.